What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Ali Deitchman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That's right, and this week we'll be talking about handling NPCs and saying no to players, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Trevor, how were your games this week? It, it, it was good. Um, kind of boring. Yeah? <laughs> like, it, bore, boring isn't like when you compare it to what has happened in this group's <laughs> history. Um no spoilers for Storm King Slender, but we're in it, and they fought a bunch of things, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then went to a room, uh-huh. did a thing, yeah. and then another <laughs> combat started, and that's where we had to end. <laughs> so yeah, it was it wasn't as much as normal, but that's fine. But you know what? I really I want to talk about this real quick because we didn't talk about it. we finished our Pathfinder game. <gasps> we did. I know, and and oh I realized God. that because it, it happened in a weird week where uh, we recorded further away from it, so like. We we did it. We finished a campaign. Yeah, it was it was exciting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so we did Reign of Winter for Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and that game I I did the math went on for three years and one week. <laughs> yeah. And my God. <laughs> yeah. Um. That went that game went through a lot of changes and a lot of new players and some players leaving and but it, it I mean we even we moved from doing. Pathfinder one as written to doing it, it with Unchained and the three action economy mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff in, uh, put into it. And I, Oh my God. Then there was the month where we did the side quest because Wiz's character got thrown into <laughs> another dimension. And so yeah, we finished it and it was freaking awesome. We, we, we finally did it and I, it felt good. It felt it good really to end did. it. And, yeah. now, and now we're going to be starting Pathfinder two. Yes, uh, I'm which, excited. <laughs> which Wiz is uh, is running, and we're going to be doing uh, Curse of Crimson Throne. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a rouge or a rogue. Is just I don't call it that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make a rogue. It's gonna be fun. And we're playing I'm a bard, be bard this we, time, and we realize we're switching classes. Yeah, because in Pathfinder One, you were the rogue, I was the bard, <laughs> and now we're flipping. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Me too. And and that that last game. Oh man, what a fight. <laughs> it was a good fight. Yeah. No, I just I remember there was so much to it and it was yeah. like we looked at that room and we're like we need a bigger room. <laughs> yeah, 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 we did. And then we were like, "Oh, well, you know, this doesn't look like a boss fight room." Oh shit, it's the boss fight room. We didn't prep at all before we no. came in here. Nobody buffed anything. All right, we're doing it live. <laughs> yeah, uh, in reality, we were really we did not prepare at all. No, that we did. That was such but, a but, bad call, but, but we went in there anyways. But we did it. And yeah. we, we kicked ass. We took names. <laughs> and it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, how was your games this week? They were uh, pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> I did get to run Tomb of Annihilation, and that was a fun one. They're finally in uh, Omu, and no spoilers, but essentially one of my players straight up murdered an entire tribe of uh, creatures in there. And afterwards, when the roof caved in, and they're like, oh no. And this character, particularly, he's an archaeologist. So he's like, but the history! And now he's all like upset about it that he he destroyed this thing. (laughs) The sacred texts! (laughs) Exactly. And he's like, I'm gonna have to talk to these guys next week about how uh, we just went in there and just murdered them all without questioning it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably a good idea to do. And so I'm excited about that happening. Um, and then in my Wednesday game, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, 
Twyla was teleported, plane shifted actually, Ooh. to where the Archfey live, the Seely and Unseely courts. Ooh. Yeah, and so she pretty much had a talk with a princess of one of the courts, and she pretty much said, hey, you guys have a bargaining chip, because I don't know if you remember from last time, they captured an elder elemental oh, yeah, yeah. in the Iron Flask. <laughs> and so the princess told her, like, yeah, that elemental is was one of our guardians for a sacred place of ours. And so like, oh, okay. So if you guys are looking for some help in this war effort in the Feywild you got going on, now's a good time to, to ask. Because if the Archfey get involved, this war's over. You're done. You're, you win. <laughs> and so You're done, kid. They talk for a little bit and they're like, okay, yeah, we, we're going to go in there. We're going to go ask the queen of air and darkness herself for Ooh. help in this war effort. And so... They said her name in darkness, and she heard, <laughs> and she summoned them to the court. And so they're all like, yeah, so uh, we're going to give you back this if you do something for us. And so there was a whole, like, intrigue, like, encounter that I had to do with these guys. And Twyla the Bard with a plus 16 persuasion. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was one moment where it was just, it could have gone terribly wrong. She had eagle splendor on thanks to Roland and she had she was she was rolling persuasion with advantage she rolled two natural ones oh well luckily you can't crit fail yeah. checks and so I'm like oh gosh but you're talking to the straight up queen of the unseely court yeah. like these need to be good yeah and so she's like uh oh wait I have an inspiration that you gave me as a DM I'm like yeah yeah totally re-roll one of those hey you used inspiration she rolled a four. Oh. <laughs> But then she had another bard with her. And so she rolled a d10. And it was a one. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a very intense moment. Sometimes the dice just don't want you to do things. <laughs> and so she finally was like, what if I give you something more? What if I give you my servitude? Oh. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so the queen, like, she's like, all right. I'm going to give you four of my warriors, not like, you know, a unit or anything, mm -hmm. but just four of them. And I'll talk with you later. You're excused. Oh. <laughs> and then they went back and they're like, okay, cool. And then some other crazy shit happened. Like a lot has happened in that one single session. <laughs> like the big bad, he, he, he managed to find the body of the hero of the skull of Orcus's wand. Mm-hmm. And he rezzed it. Oh, boy. And they don't know why, because if you if you res the hero, you're destroying the wand. And they're like, why does he want to destroy the wand? And then our the artificer like had some internal thinking with his cape that has a ton of people in it. That's a long story. It's, yeah. it's an artifact <laughs> it's I made thing. up. <laughs> that could play into the later topic. <laughs> yeah, it could. Uh, this whole session will actually... This, is, this whole session is why I came up with this topic. <laughs> And he pretty much came up with the concept of, well, there's three reasons and three theories, hypothetically, why he would want to destroy it. One, one outcome out of him destroying it is it just, nothing happens. It, the energy is expanded and it's done and it's destroyed. Second thing is that it goes into the weave and the power of it could possibly disrupt it somehow. And it's already in a fragile state. Mm -hmm. And then the third option is with some guidance, this power of this artifact can be put somewhere else. Mm. And so then all of a sudden he started 
like spiraling into a concept of, well, you know, the world's going to end and everyone's like, you need to stop thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just such a good session. And I I was so proud of all my players with how they handled it. It was so good. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like I was also kind of, they were all complimenting me too, because this is where I'm officially off the rails. There's nothing written about this and I'm just like going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's that uh, it's that scene from Walsh and Gromit where he's throwing out the train tracks but, uh, <laughs> as he's riding along on it. That is me. I am Gromit. <laughs> but well, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move over into some broadsheets. Sounds good. Let's see what yeah. news we got. Um, so we missed this release date because well, you think that we would know it because we work in a freaking bookstore. Yeah, we're totally on top of things. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you know, this is a polished and clean podcast. There's no times where the audio gets screwed up or there's an echo or anything. No, yeah, just, yeah we're professionals here. Um, the Young Adventures Guide Dungeons and Tombs was released. Yeah, and uh, we got to look through it and. I don't have as many nice things to say about it as I did the other two books. It kind of, fe- this is going to sound weird, but it, it kind of reminded me of The Watchmen. I wanted that okay, movie yep, yep, okay. to be like better and I wanted it to be explained better in certain areas, but then instead it was completely different. Oh, okay. So yeah. So to explain this, the, the main thing that is sticking for us is like, this is about famous dungeons in the world. Mm-hmm. And not just any, all, there's a couple that go into other worlds. But, like, for instance, there's Ravenloft. Yeah. There's no picture of, like, there's, like, one picture of Ravenloft. There's no map. There's, there is, like, key po- uh, places written out. And then there's one encounter and then one uh, area of note. And that's it. It's, like, four pa- four or six pages of just about that. Yeah. And it was kind of disappointing because, like, for a lot of them, I had an idea of the dungeons themselves. I know these places. I've run a few of these places. Mm-hmm. So I knew what they were getting at. There's one which is in uh, from Saltmarsh. And I flipped through it. And I was like, okay, I don't know this one. Let me, I, I'm going to read it and see. Yeah. I ha- I could not tell you anything significant about the place because oh. there's so, the 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 information is so disconnected from each other that I don't know what you do with this information if even as a kid that does, like you you just know this name yeah. now the kind of half purpose of these books is to get kids comfortable with the concepts and yeah. ideas that these books focus on yeah like with the races and stuff it's like oh here's a half orc here's what half orcs are here's yeah. what they do here's how cool they look yeah but it's like with this one it's like dungeons so it's like okay i'm expecting to get the idea of like famous dungeons and mm-hmm. then like maybe some ideas of what's in a dungeon why would some things be in a dungeon like why is this yeah. thing here and like, it's like, like the the way that they had done stuff even in the monster mm-hmm. one it was just like what kind of traps you can expect to find with these monsters yeah. and stuff like that and that was not here no, it just kind of seemed like they snapshotted a few things and then copy pasted onto it. Yeah. In kind of a sporadic manner. <laughs> now, the good things, though, is that, again, fully new artwork. Yeah. All of it is beautiful. Yeah. And the thing that you found in the back that I also really like is there is a thing about uh, drawing your own dungeon. I and actually a, really like There's that a well. two page spread, like, dungeon key of, like, here's mm-hmm. how you draw stairs doors barrel oh, yeah. i would love to screenshot that and use that in my own games when i'm drawing on a mat 
because mm-hmm. that is brilliant. It's a perfect way to get kids into drawing their own yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I I do remember, and, and when I was a kid, I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. But I remember there was a kid in my third grade class that had a dungeon map. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was on old, like, you know, dot matrix graph paper and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And now thinking back on some of years, I'm like, oh, that was a freaking D&D map. Yep. So that that that's cool. But most of all, the book is just kind of eh. But I'll still probably get it for my nephews because I just want to bombard them with D&D stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. The next bit of news we got is a little bit of a tease. Now, as a heads up. We're recording this literally while the Game Awards are going on. We're recording late. Yeah. Uh, but um, Dungeons & Dragons this morning, so de- uh, or yesterday morning, December 11th, uh, tweeted at, oh, God, I, sh- I don't know how to pronounce their name. Uh, it's the T-U-K, uh, T-U-K, am I saying this right? T-U-Q-U-E games uh, company that they partnered with earlier. They're a Montreal-based independent developer. Mm -hmm. And they tweeted at them and said, see at the Game Awards and uh, put a picture that looks a lot like Harshnag. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested to see where that's going to go. I mean, mean, are they going to make a Storm King's Thunder game? Because that'd be a real good time for me. Some people are saying, is it going to be a Storm King's Thunder game? Is it going to be a D&D-based Skyrim-type game? Or is it going to be... A game based off of like Neverwinter or Waterdeep yeah. or everyone's kind of really excited. <laughs> so uh, my wife is watching the Game Awards right now and she is our uh, uh, on-scene correspondent. <laughs> uh, she's going to text me if anything comes up and we'll we'll do a little bit of breaking news mm-hmm. in the episode if that happens. But that is very interesting and very exciting. Oh, yes. More D&D video games? I'm down for that. Definitely. All right, the next bit of news that I am very salty about. Um, in, a, in a good way. In a good way. It's good. But <laughs> So, D&D put out a tweet that they are partnering with uh, four fans, by fans, by fans yeah. uh, and doing a monster gift set. Mm-hmm. And right now, they actually have a 20% off coupon, too. Yes, it is good through the 15th. Mm-hmm. The coupon code is uh, all caps DNDGFT20. Mm-hmm. It gets you 20% off this bundle. The bundle includes um, the uh, Beholder uh, uh, dice bag that I got that I love and is adorable and is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, stickers and a pin, a mimic pin. Yeah. And it's like $31 right now. Which is actually a really good price. For yeah. Considering the there. dice bag normally on its own is $30. And I bought it because I've been waiting for it to come back into stock for like three years. And then it was there. And so I bought it. And now there's this. And I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it's definitely a great set to look into, especially for people that you know are getting into D&D. And it's mm-hmm. like if they're still using their Crown Royal bag and it's like, okay, well, let's get you. I retired my Crown Royal bag of 10 years <laughs> for this beholder. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect gift to give someone. So yeah. think about that this holiday season. We'll put a tweet out for it, too. I'm, I am retweeting it currently. <laughs> um. And that's all we got for news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to move into some dungeon keeping because <gasps> we have some. Oh, my gosh. What a dungeon. <laughs> what a dungeon. Such clean. Much well. <laughs> so this is episode 27. Crazy uh, to think I about. I know. <laughs> this, oh, my God. What a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that in four episodes, we're going to be doing our wait, 28, 29, 30. Yeah. Yeah. 31. Yeah. Episode 31. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing uh, our next review. Yeah. And uh, we've settled on Tyranny of Dragons. Woo! 
So you're gonna, you know, hear this between now and then because we're gonna dungeon keep it up. Yep. Um, okay, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna keep it up. Um, and so what we're what we're asking is if you have any stories, any questions, any of your own reviews. Yeah. Anything at all of your thoughts on Tyranny of Dragons, send them into difficultyclass mm-hmm. at gmail.com and we'll compile them all for that episode and talk about it. I'm very excited to talk about this one. Me too. Because uh, <laughs> I ran it, you were in it, and mm-hmm. th- this and you wanna run it. So yeah. this is this is gonna be a really interesting one. Uh, so yeah, uh, send those in difficultyclass at gmail.com and we'll do that episode coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next bit of dungeon keeping is there's gonna be no show qu- Christmas week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you don't get to hear our lovely voices. Um, you know, it, this was mostly cause like, we're going to be busy that week. Yeah. Other people are going to be busy that week. I don't know if people are going to be listening to podcasts or anything. So, and regardless of all that, it's the holidays that both Trevor and I celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're, uh, we're going to take that week off, but we will be back the following week just after new year's in the 2020. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just giving you a heads up so that you're not like, where's the episode? You don't sound like that. No. I know you don't sound like that. <laughs> That was just a dumb voice I did. Don't listen to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, so no no show that week, but we'll be back the week after that. But we will be back next week. So, mm-hmm. woo. Um, but let's move into our first topic. Yeah. And Allie, that was your topic. So uh, tell me if this has happened to you. Okay. You have a party of like, let's say five people or so that you're, you're DMing. Sound for. familiar? Okay. Um, and they have come across another adventuring party. Okay. And they have uh, kind of persuaded them and have found out through plot reasons that this other adventuring party needs to come with them. Okay. And then this other adventuring party goes with your adventuring party. And then on top of that, they go towards a royal court with a queen and several other courts, of course. And now all of a sudden you have one, two, three, four, five. You have around eight or so NPCs that you Oof. have to talk about. Oof. Has that ever happened to you? Because that mean, happened to me yesterday. <laughs> not not specifically, but yeah, I have had my players in a room with a lot of NPCs who are very vocal and very opinionated. So you've ended up kind of talking to yourself for a minute, right? Oh, that, okay. <laughs> I'm going to put this out right here. I try to avoid that like the fucking plague. Yeah. Because it, it, nothing feels sillier than like leaning over to one side. So what do you think about this? And the other one going, well, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, so do I. Well, let's ask the adventuring party. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know why both those guys sounded like they were in the fucking 30s <laughs> in D&D. The news voice. Yeah, they were both the same person. This is, <laughs> God. <laughs> um. My one of my players jokingly last night said we should get you like finger puppets representing all these NPCs that way you can just pop them up above the dungeon screen. So when you're one of them, you just pot up your little phoenix finger, and when you're another one, you put up your other thumb. And I'm like, you know what? You're joking, but that actually sounds like it would solve a few problems. I would just lean down there and just like, well, hello there, Twyla. How are you today? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, yeah, he's choking, but I mean, on the other hand, yeah, <laughs> on my hands. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really try to do is is manage the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've had ones where they're very opinionated and stuff like that, but I try to keep it so that there are there's only one person talking at a time, and try to keep it focused on the players. Yeah. And that's where I do description. Um, so, like, if I know there's another NPC in here that would have an opinion about it, 
uh, as long as they're not like the brash kind, <laughs> um, like like Harshnag right now in in Storm King's Thunder. Yeah, um, he's an NPC. Yeah, and I I actually had that w- before we got into Storm King's Thunder, where there were oh my god. Uh, nine NPCs around the table with them. And the way that I did it was when someone I would, I would finish dialogue with someone. So like uh, one of, one of the higher ups would just be like, Oh, well I think we should destroy the thing. And what I would do was um, pick a player or, you know, just maybe all of them. So I was just like, Oh, you notice that this guy kind of winced when he said that. Mm-hmm. So, it's giving or like, you know, reacted in some way. So it's giving the player an idea, one visual description of what's going on, but also like they, it's kind of, it's in that improv thing where like I've offered something to them. Yes. They can decide if they're going to pick it up or not. They could go like, Hey, what was up with that look? Something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause in the end you're writing this story and the players are the protagonists, yes. all of them. And you don't want your NPCs to go on and on yeah. and on and what, what, like in writing one of the things you want to try to avoid doing is having a point of view character as a uh of like like listening to two people talk yeah it, like they're they're being passive they're being a passive protagonist where everything is happening around them yeah and so there's a lot of times even in my writing where i'm just like oh this character hasn't put anything into this conversation. Should I have this chapter even from their point of view? Which is something I can do as a writer, mm-hmm. but I can't do that as a DM because I can't change their character because yeah. that's who they are. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, unless for some reason the players went out of their way to go listen to a dialogue. Yeah. And are either eavesdropping or are like, hey, we need to hear, be here and be present for this mm. conversation. It's like, maybe don't have that conversation happen in game. It is one of the other things that I'll do and it is immersion breaking. I will put that out here first, mm-hmm. but if I know a lot of dialogue is, will get thrown <laughs> back and forth between these two characters. It'll be very boring for the players. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do voices at the time and I don't want to go back and forth with myself. Cause you look insane. There were so many times last night where I was like, and Shava just kind of looked at her inside. Yeah. And then Gwen looked over and was like, it's okay. I, I still love you. And then Shava looked over and said, I know. And it's like, I'm like, what am I doing? So <laughs> one of the things that I'll do again, immersion breaking mm-hmm. is I will describe the conversation they have yeah i will i will go uh like i'll start with dialogue where it's just like um when the characters will say something like oh well i heavily disagree with that and then i will take a step back go into narrator mode and go the two characters start arguing from here one of them uh, they're both presenting good points yeah but they're kind of talking in circles you hear things like oh well this is why i think this this is why i think this uh we shouldn't do it because of this and I'm telling them things without doing the full dialogue that they can grab onto and jump into the conversation with. It's kind of like what I suggested for new players in role-playing, where it's like instead of saying it in first person and role-playing yeah. out the conversation, you're saying it in third person. Yeah, that that's, makes sense. that's yeah. something that I will do because the, the first time this really happened was with our Strahd game, and, and Ike pointed it out that it was like, I, I was playing Irina and another character and they were both talking <laughs> and he's just like, ah, NPCs talking to NPCs. That's always fun to DM. And I'm just like, oh God, you're right. No, this is not fun to DM. <laughs> um, 
So that's why I kind of adopted that that describing conversations when they're not mm-hmm. the ones having it. Because if you're role-playing somebody talking to the players, that's great. That's that's immersive and all that stuff. But yeah, if they're just if there's people that are arguing in front of them, there's no real point in going back and forth on it. I mean, Matt yeah. Mercer can do that because he's got a billion voices under his belt. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but even then, like like listening to Critical Role recently, he keeps it so short. Mm-hmm. Where um he can do two voices at a time quickly arguing back and forth with each other. And then he'll just go and they kind of go on like that for a little while. He doesn't keep going. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I do not like having conversations between NPCs at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And that's the tough part, especially when you're dealing with a brand new part of the story elements of the story that has never been presented before and you kind of need to have a little bit of exposition Mm -hmm. and you're hoping to have it through natural dialogue yeah and so this was the part that i was having trouble with last night when i was dming because i had twilight when she plane shifted with the mysterious man she brought along an npc with her and that was it it was her the npc and they just left Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it was like i was reacting with her as an npc to something that I was telling her yeah. as an NPC. And that was where I was getting like a little lost. And all of a sudden this NPC that she brought along as help and for input is suddenly quiet because it's like, well, I'm trying to give you exposition without like giving you my thoughts on this exposition, mm-hmm. because then that will sound just like too much. Like here's the story and here's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one you do kind of have to separate your brain yeah. because that is something that I feel you do need to do to keep that character real. Um, I mean, I I feel like I'm going to talk a lot about writing tonight, but like I have to do that on a constant basis where I'm like, I'm the one that set up this plot and these twists and And I have to have these characters who I'm writing go, (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't even realize that was going to happen when I've plotted this out for hours and months on end. Mm -hmm. Um, So you do kind of have to do that where you have the NPC react to it. Yeah. You don't have to have them, you know, go on and on and on about the reaction to it, but just subtle things like, a gasp or a uh, quick dialogue or a way that they move or something like that. No, I do like that. The concept of describing their reactions mm-hmm. as opposed to actually acting it out. Yeah. Cause that'll help me balance it out way more in the coming up things because they're in the middle of, I, I mentioned it like a war mm-hmm. and there are so many NPCs of like <laughs> within this, like, Oh, you've got the general, you've got the person of the leader of the, the elves. You've got so many people in there, not to mention the bad guys. <laughs> With those ones, I will just try to, suggest trying to space them out as best as possible you know not everyone is able to go to a meeting all at once especially during a war people Mm -hmm. are like you can i mean it's it's, this isn't star wars where they can just hologram in the entire jedi council yeah um you can have it we're just like oh well they're out on the field right now or something like that i already kind of did that brilliantly somehow accidentally humble brag (laughs) (laughs) um the four warriors that the queen gave them Mm -hmm. that was another four npcs However, um, I would just be like, they've taken a vow of silence. The the (laughs) captain of the guard said, yeah, we're only four people, but all four of us can handle our own stuff. I'm sending them out to handle big problems that you have stated and they'll be back when they're done. 
And it's like, there you go. So they're going to disband as soon as the next yeah. session starts. And they're not going to see him again until, well, an ancient green dragon is dealt with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, NPCs and handling large groups of them, it, it feels a little Saturday morning cartoon and video gaming when you are specifically talking to the players and only the players. Yeah. Like, oh God, this is a weird analogy. But um, there was a game a long time ago, and one of the reasons I – there was a big climactic fight, and I had a big problem with it because there's a giant monster in the middle of a war, and there is a bunch of people on the battlefield shooting it, and it only focuses on fighting you. Right. And I'm like, I now know I'm the protagonist. <laughs> I now know I am the You're dude. the chosen one. Yeah I, yeah, I may as well be the doom slayer. Like, everyone's focused on me. Mm-hmm. And so – that can be a little immersion breaking when everything is pointed at the players and you don't have sig- uh, sufficient, you know, reasoning why everyone's focused on them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your players may like to think it, but they might not be the Avengers of their world. So <laughs> not everyone is going to turn to them and ask them what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get into the problem of just, you know, spiraling dialogue to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's especially a great point because I mentioned there's another adventuring party with them. Mm -hmm. In this world, adventurers are not far and few between. They are, it's a profession in a way. And these guys just happen to be really good at it. But there are other people out there who do also adventure. Mm -hmm. Like this group that they're with right now, they have their whole own adventure going on. And this is just one part of it. And like they were saying, like, we, we need to focus on this war and the almost like leader so to speak of the other adventuring party was like yeah but taking down your father is still my like mm-hmm. number one deal yeah. like she made it really clear like yeah but we're we're still kind of still focused on that mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's that's part of the thing where it's like you have to figure out exactly what your npcs want now i i want to bring <laughs> up another one real yeah. quick handling a shitload of NPCs in combat. Oh, um, do you want to know how I do it? Yeah, how do you do? Oh, God, I, this reaction is interesting. <laughs> so, um, I had three NPCs, uh, a wizard who's multi-class with a fighter. I have a bard who's pure bard, and then I have a barbarian. So, this adventure party is three people. Mm-hmm. And then one of the PCs, he has a wife. And his wife is a Twilight cleric. Mm-hmm. So I have a cleric, a wizard slash fighter, a barbarian, and a, and a bard. I have made character sheets. Oh, wow. All of them. Jesus. I have set up this adventuring party. One of them rolls initiative. Well, I, ha- I have all three of them roll initiative. Whoever gets the highest, that's their initiative mm-hmm. in, the, in the initiative count. And then the wife, she kind of, I just had her go directly after the... Uh, her husband essentially because mm-hmm. it's like eh, it's kind of like a companion yeah so that way that eases up on initiative for me i don't have to separate them and then i literally just put like okay the bard is gonna go first because she has the highest decks i just put her sheet on top and then the wizard is second and then the barbarian is third and then when i'm done with the bard turn i turn it back mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next sheet and then i turn that sheet back and I literally do this all out. I know that is like the worst way to do it. <laughs> but it's also provided some crazy 
tricks to fights and encounters mm-hmm. that I that wouldn't have happened if I simplified their character sheets any yeah. more down. Like if I just completely watered their character sheets down to like an enemy stat block or something, it they wouldn't be their NPCs anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it would just be, oh, this is like a captain number three. Yeah. And so it's like I really wanted them to be their own character, and which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why the players like them so much is because yeah. they are special. They are an adventurer like them. And so I know it's the worst way to do it, <laughs> but it's how I do it. I'm and not going to say it's the worst way to do it. I'm still looking for a better way to handle this because ugh, if there's, there is one, I would, I would take it so fast. <laughs> I've juggled a couple of them over time where I will just do the thing where I grab a stat blot. Then I'm like, you're close. Mm-hmm. And then I will just have them do stuff off of there. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about that approach so much, and it's similar to that one, is um, it's very much like, "Hey, I'm the DM, and something cool's happening, and I and and, and I'm taking up another player's turn with a turn." Yeah, that's and, that's a kicker that I have to deal with. <laughs> and so, one of the other ways I did this was a long time ago, and I've done it a few times when it's a really cool character. We did a Dragon Age game mm-hmm. where Tara died. Um, <laughs> And there, we, we had we, there was a gray warden with you guys. Yeah. And I did not have a single stat for him. No. Nope. All I did was just describe him doing cool shit. Yeah. And then uh, like I would just have it where I'm just like, um, I didn't even roll damage for him. I just was like, okay, if he hits an enemy twice, they're dead. See and. Thinking about it that way, too, makes it so much easier to con- conceptualize the idea of encounter planning. Because if you actually don't give them stat blocks and if you don't actually let them deal any actual damage, mm-hmm. then you can still create a CR5 encounter for a level 5 party, yeah. even if they have 5 NPCs with them. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, I mean, you can have it where they're not dealing any damage and there's some things background wise that you can do where it's like oh this okay so uh one of my players got this dude down to two hit points all right this dude's just gonna flat out kill him on his next turn so you could Mm -hmm. just do stuff like that but like what i mean by doing cool shit was where like i i described it that like i remember this part because like kyle was like that was cool uh (laughs) where like the dude ran up uh leapt over a dark spawn and then pulled his swords out in the air and just scissored the dude in half. Nice. And and Kyle was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, yeah, that's what you get to do when you don't have to use character sheets. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've done stuff like that. One of the things I've done recently, um, there was a fight on Cholt where I had 20 zombies, mm-hmm. a zombie T-Rex, yeah. a lich, all my players. Yeah. Two uh, NPC characters. Your initiative count is already going way high. <laughs> and then one of my characters pulled out of Horn of Valhalla and summoned nine barbarian spirits. So you got a war. <laughs> and this was theater of the mind. <laughs> so my brain melted. Um, but no, what I started doing was I just did, um, I, I took the barbarians and uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to roll D D8. All right, three. All right, they killed three zombies. And I just and I just did sh- shit like that through it, and then, like I would describe them doing it. It's like one of the barbarians goes up and you know s- puts his spectral sword through mm-hmm. it and stuff like that, and that worked out really well. And it kept the combat tense because since there were so many enemies, 
it just made it so it made sense why there wasn't suddenly 20 zombies on the the turtle like so doing stuff like that like when i main thing i do is just try to make it cinematic Mm-hmm. And that's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. I mean, like, one of the cooler things about D&D is that you can play yeah. out a movie. <laughs> yeah. And and really, the probably the boringness of an NPC turn with mine is my fault because I have them go in the same... I, I do something that a lot of people don't like. Well, sometimes. I have all the bad things go on the same turn. Mm-hmm. Just so that it is easier to go through everything all at once. I can just go, okay, you there, you there, you there. And I still forget to have people go. Um, Constantly. Yeah. and But I also have the NPCs go on that. And I should probably roll for them separately. Ah. Um, so that it's not like, all right, all the bad things gone. And now the NPCs are going to go. Yeah. So I should I should do that in different. I think that one can make it different for me. And, but, uh, yeah. I think overall making it so that way your players still feel like they're the protagonists of the story is, I mean, Storm King's Thunder kind of pointed it out when it came to probably the coolest NPC tag-along friend that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. is like Harshnag. Yep. Harshnag comes along with them. This dude is a motherfucking frost giant. Yeah. They, he they, deals 3D12 damage they're and he does up that like, twice. They're straight up like, this giant will ruin your combat. Yeah. But here's what you can do. And they, they're simply just like, um, just have him use the help action. Yeah. Harshnag wants to help these people. Yeah. He doesn't want to just steal the thunder and make it so that way they don't do anything. He mm-hmm. wants to make sure, because he's adventured with small folk before. He yeah. understands how they feel. And I love that they went out of their way and made an entire, like, they had like a whole subsection about like, this is what Harshnag does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, or- you could you consider that when you're making your NPCs, like, Try to make it so you don't make the OP ninja who's like going in destroying yeah. everything. It's but, like, but also remember, you can't just have them do the help action. Yeah, it's okay. You can do that, and you can describe it in a cool way, and just mm-hmm. say you have advantage on the next attack. Yeah, um, and that th- will make it crazy. You can pretend that it's flanking. Yeah, you could have them go behind and then just use the help action there, and there you go. Or what you could do is pull a me and somehow forget about the fifteen foot tall giant. Uh huh. Throughout the entire combat. Uh huh. And then have him show up, and everyone's like, oh, that's right, Harshnag's here. And I'm just like, yeah, I totally forgot about him yeah. in combat. Was, uh, he, was just, he was just chilling. He's just there. I just wanted to see how good you guys were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got, any, got anything else about uh, handling NPCs? Um, what about like if you have one NPC? Um, one like, NPC is fine. I know. So yeah. it's like, at what point... Like, for example, if you're actually... Okay, what I'm trying to actually say is it's one player, mm-hmm. and so you actually have to fill out the party. Either that be with companions or... Oh, oh, you're, yeah. it's just the DM and a player yeah, and yeah, their yeah. sidekicks? Yeah. Oh, you're not... It, the DM should not be role-playing them. It, it, that, that's, that's the player. Okay. I would totally leave it up to them and be like, come up with your own stuff for them. Like, you have to go by the rules, so they're not going to be completely OP and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you do what you want to do with them. Okay. And yeah. then that would actually be an interesting experiment to see how the player handles handling multiple NPCs. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because I just had a thought about that. I'm like, because I've done that before where I played an NPC along with, like, Spencer, who was playing his character. And they were kind of like buddy cop movie and mm-hmm. so it was fun but it was like i was still almost taking away from his moments by having my moments yeah definitely have the player control them i down, like that. down to what they're saying and stuff i do like that well let's uh let's move over into uh our dm's guild spotlight 
Yeah. And we're we're spotlighting uh, a a thing by two people who are no strangers to the show. Oh, One yes. of them specifically who's been <laughs> on the show. Uh, it's going to be Baldur's Gate City Encounters. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is written by Justice Armin, Anthony Joyce, uh, along with Anne uh, Gregerson and Gordon McAlpine. Yeah. McAlpin? McAlpine? McAlpin. Uh, I, two weeks in a row, I screw up somebody's name. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't hate me. Um, so, yeah, this is Baldur's Gate City Encounters. Um, it, last time we talked about uh, specifically Justice and Anthony, they did the um, the one that was a prequel to Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. Yeah. And so this one, uh, it's got um, tension encounters, 20 random encounters tied to five levels of tension within Baldur's Gates, like martial law, order, status quo, stuff like that. Uh, Neighborhood encounters, 20 encounters, each tied to a neighborhood within the city itself, which is super cool because that, I don't know if you've looked at Baldur's Gate, but that place (laughs) is insane. It's just like, do you want to be a ritzy uh, rich person uh, and then walk five blocks and just get murdered by everyone that looks at you (laughs) a bad way? Um and then there, oh, the, the, this is something really cool. The tension meter. It's a, uh, So it says it here, a handout for tracking the current level of tension within Baldur's Gate. I love this idea yeah. of like the things that you are doing affecting the encounters that you have. It's a yes. brilliant idea. No, I really like that. It's a way for you as a DM. It's, it's a brilliant way to help you mm-hmm. because that's the kind of thing that you should probably be considering with your players and their actions and the repercussions that they bring along. Yeah. But this is a way to help you get to that point because... Like, sure, you can make that up, or you could get the supplement, and they'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's also, uh, the, I'm just going down the bullet points here on DM's Guild. It's also got uh, magic items, creatures, and NPCs, along with a map of Boulder's Gate. Cool. Um, I can never have enough maps, so. Maps, That's yes. great. <laughs> but yeah, these two, uh, along with uh, uh, their other co-authors, great, fantastic authors doing mm-hmm. good D&D supplement. It's only six ninety five. Oh, that's totally not bad, it. yeah. especially if you are just starting up uh, Baldur's Gate. If you're already in the thick of it, I can see where this is not going to be for you. Uh, <laughs> you you may or may not still be in that city. Or uh, like if you're considering doing Descent into Avernus and just skipping the city entirely. It's like, maybe take a look at this, since that way it'll give you more incentive to go into it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's on uh, DM's Guild. It's Baldur's Gate City Encounters, six ninety five. dollars looks like a freaking awesome one mm-hmm. uh so go check that out and we'll re- we'll put out a tweet about it of course as we yeah. normally do all right let's move into our second topic which is my topic and that is saying no to players which is a deceiving title for this one because i'm more on the side of you don't always have to say no to players mm-hmm. and i think i remember my answer to, uh, I think you asked me a while ago, something that I've learned as a DM mm-hmm. over the time, and it was saying no to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this actually got uh, in my head last night uh, from a Reddit post, which had very little to do with it. Uh, but it, it was somebody saying, uh, unpopular opinion, if one of your players wants to be OP, let them. Mm-hmm. And it went into this long thing about like how you don't need to freak out about having an OP character and how you can balance having that. And essentially someone commented uh, that it's like, that seems like a lot of hoops to jump through just to not say no to someone. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about that. Um, I don't particularly think that if you have an overpowered character 
it is a bad thing as long as everyone's still having fun. I mean, you can have... Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, the game is not specifically about combat. So even if you have someone who on their turn just annihilates everything, they can't be in every place at one time. And so your other players are still in danger. They're still in danger because, Mm -hmm. you know, they can still get hit and stuff like that. They can get banished. A lot of stuff can happen to them. Oh, yeah. But specifically about the topic of saying no to people, um, I, I do, I, I say no. I'm not going to say I don't. I totally do. <laughs> I have St. James in my group. I have to say no <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's specific times where, you know, I will, a player will put something out and my first instinct is to say no to it, but I will think about it for a moment and go, wow, what could that actually do for this? This could be interesting. And so I might let it happen mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I know there's several times I've made decisions in games that I've told people later and they're like, wow, why did you let them do that? How many times have I done that to you? Where I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I let this happen. And you're like, well, I would have just stopped that short <laughs> <Full> stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's to be fair. Yeah, like there, there, there is the, there's stuff where even like I'm saying like, don't do that. Like mm-hmm. you should, you know, not let them do that. But, you know, if you say no all the time, that gets to be, you know, kind of tiring and annoying. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, it's like, well, we're all here to have fun. This is this person's idea of fun. Mm-hmm. So something should happen with it. Like, I, I did do this once where I, I paid it off. Where I had a player who wanted to do something and I kept saying no every freaking time. Oh. And then... At uh, towards the end, it happened in a huge way, and they lost their freaking mind <laughs> because the, they thought now that it had just turned into a joke back and forth. Like they were just like, "Oh, can I do this thing?" I'm like, "No," and they're like, eh, "No." Um, and then so then when it happened, they couldn't even believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you do? What what what's what's your thing with with saying no to players? So. Through my years of DMing, I've kind of realized, like, there are some things that you should say no to straight off the bat, and there are some things that you should just kind of let go, and you'll figure out what happens later. Um, As far as overpowered characters, definitely, like, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. Things might just get balanced in a different way later. I'm okay with that. When it comes to things that I say no to, that tend to be things that will cause problem for the group. Yes. Um. For example, like I love I, I love my friend and he has built a character that is a lycanthrope. And so it's like, okay, cool. He's like, okay. Um, however, I don't have control over my lycanthropy side. And so when I do transform, I hit things at random. Mm-hmm. This is like when I first started DMing this entire campaign. And I'm all like, well, that sounds interesting, but oh, okay, that sounds fine. I should have said no, because he straight up almost <laughs> in the very first encounter completely almost TPK'd their own party. Yeah. And I'm thinking here, like, that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, it was like, in order to keep him from, like, transforming, he needs to get, like, a drug. And I'm all like, ah, this hall feels really weird. Yeah. So that was a thing that I should have said no to, because it was detrimental to not just, like, the party and role playing, but it was also towards gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of picked up on that. And also, I mean, major, major thing that's like red flags is like the 
we've talked about before the things that make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, if there are themes that someone wants to bring to the table and you've already discussed about it and you've said that's, we're not yeah, part of we, that game. We then should probably yeah, clarify should no. that like saying no, isn't just, Oh, is there a plus one sword in there? Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot of stuff in the game that like down to character background or mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, where you do need to get okay with saying no. Mm-hmm. Again, like I, I do think that saying yes to a player more often is good, which is why when those yeah. no's come up, it's like, no, this is why, like, I'm saying no, which you understand is a big deal. Yeah. Like, in the end, this is role-playing and it is improv. You're supposed to be doing yes and. Yeah. And even as a DM, you you have a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to being detrimental towards not just the gameplay, but also role-playing or the other way around... That's when I need to say no. Yeah. And especially if it's going to ruin people's fun. Because mm-hmm. number one rule at my game is to have fun, damn it. <laughs> and if what someone says is going to make someone else have less fun purely because they just want to be really nice or mm-hmm. like really cool in the moment, but it's going to totally downplay someone else, I'll be like, no. Yeah. It's like, like I, no. I lo- again, love my friend to death. But, uh, like, one of my friends was like, I want to start the game as a vampire, but nobody knows. I'm like, no. 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 <laughs> no. Or it's it's like when, when a evil-esque rogue says, I want to steal from the party. Well, it, And it's like if the group is on board with it and they're like, oh, that'll be interesting. And I'm like, I'll look around and I'll be like, are you guys okay with this? But if I see one person who looks incredibly bothered by it who thinks that it is against the law to do infighting and they'll be completely uncomfortable in the game with it because of it. I'll be like, no, you're not stealing well, from the party. The, I, I will say in that situation, I'd rather have an open dialogue instead of just yeah. flat out saying no, because well, that's like, what I mean. Like I, yeah. I gauge, I read the table. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean like, like straight up, she's like, Hey, so let's pause this game real quick. This action is making this player visibly upset. Um, what can we do about this so that both of you are having fun with it? Mm-hmm. I don't want to just straight out tell you no because that is like hand of God coming down and blocking you from doing something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this player is you know having a problem with it, so let's figure out what we can do here. Yeah, because just because you did make this really cool rogue who has this deep backstory and he has this innate need to steal, I don't want to take away from that character's character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where you have to kind of like, again, read the table and consult. Mm-hmm. Talk to your players and figure out what would be more fun. Because in the end, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Um, I guess the only other times I say no, honestly, it would be if someone says too many things in their description of what they want to do on their turn. So it's just pure gameplay reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when it comes down to mechanics and stuff, it would be like, well, no, you can't do that because of X, yeah. Y, and Z. But I mean, like there are exceptions. I mean, like, I've had people do, like, crazy yeah. things that shouldn't have happened because that's not how the game yeah. works. But it's, like, eh, it's a cool moment. Like, like I have my limits on stuff. Like, yeah, if somebody, like, if we've just decided at the table that, like, you guys are the heroes. You're going to be saving the world. And if somebody comes up to me later and is like, I want to be evil and betray all of them. I'm like, uh, okay, unless you can tell me, like, really good story reason why and all of this stuff, mm-hmm. I got to say no on it. So... Yeah, as much as at the beginning of this, I'm just like, get say yes to things. And I do think you should. You should have your limits. It, it, it I, I talked about this with, with fudging rolls a long time ago. You got to have a nice balance. Yeah. Like, because if you say no all the time, 
then no one's going to ever want to talk about something they want to do because they know you're just going to say no. Exactly. If you say yes all the time, they know they're going to get away with anything. And then the game just becomes a choose your own adventure game that occasionally has dice rolled in it. Or, and I love our kids at the bookstore, but an eight-year-old is DMing the game. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all hell is loose. Yeah. And these kids can do anything because they're gods. <laughs> and it's like, how do they even play? Yeah. And you realize how they play is because whoever's DMing doesn't say no ever. Yeah. Because he's just a kid. Yeah. He doesn't know. He wants his friends to like him. Yeah. get that. Or and her. So you know, they, whatever. They end up saying yes to the craziest shit you can imagine. Yeah. And yes, you couldn't imagine it because these are children. Mm -hmm. They can imagine far better than you can. And it's like, what am I? I, I will some crazy stuff. I will say one of my other favorite things, though, about saying yes when players want to do something absolutely batshit insane during a game is making them roll for it and them just fucking up. And then it's oh funny. God. <laughs> we're, just, we're like, somebody's just like, I want to run along the wall, leap off, land on this other side, and stab the dude. I'm like, all right, roll an acrobatics check. Four. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Like I like that's I because that's the other thing when you say yes to things, especially when it's like those ideas, you still got to make them roll dice. Yeah, you should, because that's kind of the yeah. part of the fun of D&D is that the dice are there to, yes, help implement a set of rules mm -hmm. and, and numbers and probability to the game. But it's also there to let you play a game. So <laughs> this is actually a good point that I want to bring in something that I have implemented over the last year. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a secret number that I have for all of my players. And it's called a fate rating. Oh. Now this idea actually came from the Star Wars Fantasy Flight game. Okay. At the beginning of each uh, session of a Star Wars game, each player rolls the, the force die. Uh, which is supposed to be the destiny die. Right. And uh, if it comes up, uh, it has like dots on it. It's like white dots or black dots. If you get um white dot and like one or two, you get one or two destiny tokens. Right. Uh, if you get the black one, it's a dark side token. And the way that it works is if you have a light side token, you can adjust the game. And so that would be like, we're all the way down in this mine and then the light, the power goes out and one of the players can flip over their token and go, I brought flashlights. Yeah. Um, but then when that's flipped over to the dark side, the, uh, the GM can mess with that and uh, like, oh, I go to shoot uh, the, uh, the control panel. I'm going to invoke the dark side token. You're going to roll with disadvantage mm -hmm. because uh, you, you know, they got to come up with a reason for it. But it came came off of the idea where like I liked the idea of players being able to put their ideas into the game. And so what I did was I, I love percentile dice. Yes. They're um, very underused. Yeah, they D &D. are very underused. And so I wanted to use them. And so what I did is I have a secret number for each player. And uh, they generally start around 27 to 30%. Mm -hmm. And so when a player will say something like, uh, like they're, they're on a shore and they got to get somewhere across the lake. Uh, is, is there a boat on the shore? Like, is there like a little dinghy? Um, and I will take my percentile dice and I'll ask them high or low. And they tell me, I roll it. And basically if they say hi, then it's like, you know, 70 to 100 percent it happens mm -hmm. or if they say low you know zero to or uh, one to 30 it happens right and so i just do stuff like that and i the thing that i like about the the fate rating is that it can change so if they do stuff or interact with gods or do something to disfavor someone mm -hmm. their fate rating can get changed i 
love this concept so much. <laughs> um, purely because my rogue, he constantly... Um, he, he's made a full 180 shift in how he approaches the gods themselves. Mm -hmm. And he's now a devout follower of Timora, who's the goddess of luck. Yeah. And she has actually affected the game before. Yeah. And I like that that you're actually implementing a system mm -hmm. that can approach that as opposed to kind of just coming up with it so, on the fly. So, so like right now, I'm not going to give numbers because you sometimes listen to the gameplay or the podcast listeners and you're not going to get to know the numbers. All right. Uh, <laughs> so like three players have the same fate rating right now. I have it right. written down. I, I'm showing Ellie my notebook. Um, uh, one player has a little bit higher one because of something that happened in his backstory. Okay. Uh, the fourth player, I don't have it written down here, but I know it in my head. Mm -hmm. um, his character is super old. He's a really old dwarf. And so uh, by age and by his, you know, what he does with his life, I gave him a higher fate rating because his character would have had that by now. Okay. Um, but again, that can get changed if he does something in Storm King's Thunder to piss off a god or something powerful or just something in the world set something off. Um, that rating can go up or down. I just realized when you mentioned about the age concept part of it that Game of Thrones implements this. The Game of Thrones RPG oh, really? actually takes into account people's age and implements that into their experience that they already have. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They also have a part of the game that's called Fate. And because they believe that your story is already being woven. And if you're young, you have a huge chance to change your fate. That's, that's Whereas if real... you're older, your fate is already kind of on its own path. That's really funny considering George R. R. Martin doesn't outline. <laughs> I know. <laughs> your fate's already been written. Well, ah, it will <laughs> eventually on an old computer saved on floppy disk. <laughs> that makes the publishers very nervous. Uh, anywho. <laughs> so it's like, I love the idea of taking that, like another game system of that fate mm -hmm. and implementing that into not just the gameplay itself, but also into the storytelling. But like, so, so the, the, I will say the, like, you know, this came out of several ideas, like the uh, Star Wars RPG. Uh, Ike did this a few times with rolling the percentile dice, which is where I got the main percentile dice idea from. But, the really the thing that it came out of was there's some times where a player asks me something and I'm like, I'm so 50 50 on this that like I could see why it would be good. I could see why it would be bad. I can see why saying yes could seem like mm -hmm. I'm just letting them have everything. I can see why saying no, there's a bunch of variables to it. So I leave it to the dice, which yeah. also makes me think of future on with Gary Gygax. Hello, it's a. Pleasure to meet you. Um, so it, that's why I wanted to do it with those. And like I've slowly built this out and I'm pretty happy with it right now as it is. Yeah. Um, and it does help out with having to say yes or no to players. Um, and Like with the bigger things. Yeah, I won't. I don't leave it. To, like if somebody comes up like I want to be Blade. <laughs> I want to be a freaking half vampire man. It's just like I can decide yes or no on that without rolling some dice. Yeah. Uh, but for some little things with some ways that they suggest story beats because I my players they're great and they sometimes mm -hmm. will be like, hey, if I suggest this to this NPC, would they do this? Yeah. And. I will leave it to a fate roll and stuff like that. So I really like that concept because there are so many times where I'm just like juggling, like 
should I say no to this because it's almost feels like it's too much or should I just say yes Mm -hmm. because it seems like it might be cool and so I love that idea of leaving it to the dice because it is a dice rolling game and I that's such a Mm -hmm. neat idea yeah I I mean that thank you that that's good to hear I'm glad I'm not just been like oh I'm just bullshitting some stuff here once again Trevor coming out with help there. <laughs> um but yeah I I've I've had a lot of good uh luck with it um and it, it's it's been it's been fun there's a few times where um I've left it to a fate rating even though everything tells me in my heart do not do that it is them rolling <laughs> they will pass it's going to happen and there it goes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that's uh, that's that's what I do with that. I like that. You got you got anything with uh, anything else saying no to players? Anything that stands out? Um, not really. But aside from just if it comes down to moral concepts and you're feeling hesitant on saying yes or no, always feel free to talk to your players. Yeah, not just the player that's bringing it up. Like, definitely talk to your players. Be like, hey guys, like I'm considering this. What 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 do you think about it? And if they're all saying like, ugh. I don't know about it. That kind of feels like that. Or that feels like it'll just really step over my toes and I won't be able to do anything. It's like, or hey, he just made my character, but just a little bit better. Maybe then you can say no, but just read the table. Yep. Ask what your friends think. Talk to them. We really got to make a shirt that says read the table. We should have done that for <laughs> Christmas. Damn it. We're idiots. <laughs> but that that's that's what I think. All right. Well, uh, if you have any um, thoughts, advice, mm-hmm. stories, anything like that that have to do with either, you know, saying no to players or how to handle NPCs, send that in difficultyclass at gmail.com. We might talk about it on a future episode. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move into some listener questions. And we got quite a few of them this week. Yes, Which we I'm do. very happy about. <laughs> thank you, everyone that wrote in. Yeah, thank you. Um, our first question comes from Dallas. Good old Dallas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip the part where uh, he he does a bit of navel gazing on us and compliments us. <laughs> Thank uh, you, <laughs> but uh, uh, he says my party is heading to Thunder Tree, but have decided to visit Neverwinter on the way. I haven't been able to find sources on information slash things available in the city. Could you suggest any official info or uh, maybe some personal ideas that you have about the city? I'm tempted to just create my own content for it, but uh, if there's any official information, I don't want to contradict it. Thanks again. Look forward to hearing from you too. Sent for my iPhone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Dallas, I'm, I'm going to yield the floor to the person who has run Neverwinter for years on end. Allie, take it away. So uh, straight out the bat, there is official content on what Neverwinter is like in 5e. Um, you can find that and actually th- scattered throughout multiple books. But the biggest one that you're going to find the most information and most bang for your buck, so to speak, would be in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. That has an entire section on what Neverwinter is at this current time in the Faerun timeline. And it also has a brief history into what it was just about 50 or so years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It also slightly goes into who's in charge of it and uh, what it represents for the entire Sword Coast. But as a whole, that's about it. Yeah. Um, you could also find some information and even some fun like mini adventures for it too and scattered throughout a couple of different uh, campaigns too. Like the Storm King's Thunder, 
I've talked about it before when we oh, reviewed it. Oh, yeah, there's it. a little bit of it in there. There's yeah. a whole blurb on Neverwinter, and there's even a couple adventures out of it, too. Um, they go into briefly what Neverwinter is going through at the time, who's leading it, and what it means to you as a, as a DM. And it also, I would say probably Waterdeep would be another good one. It, That's only if you already have the book. I would suggest yeah, you look through it. Yeah, it's very little in there. Because it just talks about Waterdeep's perspective on Neverwinter kind of in a there, way. There's somebody in, uh, no spoilers, but there's somebody in Neverwinter that uh, plays big role name-wise yeah. into Waterdeep, but other than that... Really, it just kind of gives you an idea into who's running Neverwinter, and mm-hmm. that's it. But it's only one perspective, really. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing I would recommend, because something that I do in my games is I run campaign like what i run what's called like canon side where it's yeah. like not really canon but it's my own kind of canon it's it's the twist you, of it you you use what is written as inspiration yeah yeah um i would definitely recommend picking up the neverwinter campaign setting dungeons and dragons 4e book oh yeah that's right they actually released an entire campaign setting uh supplement for neverwinter and I honestly just down, I got the PDF and I have it on my phone and there's oh yeah because you, you can get on that here. on uh, on DMs Guild yes you totally can yep. you've got character themes from like every part of Neverwinter because it is a huge city it is you have racials like variants talking about like who's <sighs> in Neverwinter you've got a new race like a new class granted it's for E however. Yep. This Blade Singer is in the Sword Coast Adventurers Guide. It is true. Yep. So you can play it and you can introduce that concept. Uh, I will say it's got a lot of good lore stuff in there, though yes. it is in a different time. And that's where I bring up the whole canon but side. Yeah. So everything in this 4E book takes place about 10 years ago mm-hmm. in 5E canon. That's not that long ago. That's true. That's <laughs> I'll true. be honest. Um, however, everything in Neverwinter right now truthfully it's kind of boring there's not much going on with it I, it's just a big i'm city. really hoping that next year's campaign book is is never winter me too it's gotta be so but for e never winter was crazy there was yeah. so much shit happening there, there's a whole section of that 4e book about the shadow fell mm-hmm. and what never winter looks like in the shadow fell and it's yeah. so cool there's an entire section even on gauntle grim yeah. which is not even technically in Neverwinter, but it's close. Yeah, it's, close. They, it's talking about Neverwinter Wood, which is the woods surrounding I it. I will say uh, 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 noob dumb DM Trevor uh, thought that it was just straight under Neverwinter, and ah. uh, I was wrong. No, nah, it's that big mountain over yeah. there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and what's really cool about the 4E book, too, is it also talks about Evernight. Mm-hmm. Evernight yeah, is the Shadowfell yeah. equivalent to Neverwinter. Uh, you know, fun play on words. But it talks about all the fun places in there. And so if you're looking for inspiration on how to handle the city, this 4E book gives you so much to play with. Like, straight up, I've taken huge plot points out of this book and implemented in my own game. Not for spoilers, because they haven't approached that yet Yeah. Um, with my own players. But it's, it's a great thing to look through, especially looking at who Neverwinter ember is himself and who the main big players are it gives you a lot of idea of his motivations and what the town actually is about um yeah like um it's because of that book that um i decided i mean it's subtly it's not as much as i did but for my original campaign what i've implemented in my own mm-hmm. now is that daggle never ember is a fucking villain and an asshole yeah. and our um my wife my best friend and i's original adventuring party took him down 
Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of fun stuff in there, but I'm going to suggest one that I'm surprised wasn't the first thing you said. <laughs> Dallas, go download the Neverwinter MMO. It I is free it on your console. Mm-hmm. I will play with you, oh, especially yeah. if it's on Xbox. I have a PS4 character too, because of course I do. I'm a whore. <laughs> um, but we'll play. It's it's yeah. a little rough, but you can walk around. This, this is the main thing. Right? You can walk around. Mm-hmm. Protectors Enclave in Neverwinter and get an idea yeah. of what this place looks like so yeah. you can describe it. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be exactly how this game is, but this is an idea of what goes mm-hmm. on there day to day and how it looks. And so you can get a good idea of what the city is itself. Also, the scope of it. Like, yeah. It is a huge city. And like Big you spend the first 40 levels in it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you go outside to other places, but yeah, like in in the city itself is like where is your hub where you walk around and stuff like that. I mean, you're thinking of Protector's Enclave. Oh, that's right. You do go to the docks and shit like that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because really in in 4E slash 10 years ago in 5E canon, only Protector's Enclave, only like one third of, no, not even that, one fourth of the city was actually safe. Yeah. Because there was this huge thing called the chasm. And then there's Black Lake, which didn't used to be called that because now it's sludged. And then there's like an entire orc army has taken over an entire section of the city. I forgot about the two. God, there's a lot of that game. Yeah, no, you're right. All that's been handled. Yep. Literally, the chasm's been stitched up. The orc army is driven out. And Castle Never is, Ember is like, yeah, that's fine. We're cool here. Everything's fine. How are you? Orcus isn't hiding out in the bottom level as a mega boss. You know, that's that's all you have to worry about. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I definitely recommend checking that out, Dallas. Mm -hmm. And like I said, message me. I'll play with you. Same. Um, (laughs) All right. We're going to hop over into um, a a half, a hybrid question because Mm -hmm. um, we got two questions that are very similar. One from Henry, who is a a new person writing in, says that he's binging the podcast right now. Welcome, Henry. Thank you for listening and thank you for writing in. Um, but uh, both he and Aaron, uh, again, Aaron, thanks for writing in. Yeah. Misty, haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, essentially, both of them wanted to know what a good one shot for a new DM is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've looked at a lot of one shots and stuff like that. Yeah. We've looked at a lot of campaigns and stuff like that. And when we talked about this before the show. We both kind of came down on the same opinion. We're on the starter kit. It's brilliant kit already put together for both new players and new DMs. Yeah. Like the, the, the thing for me is that especially with the starter kit, not, not the essentials kit with the starter kit, that DM book has suggestions on how to do things mm-hmm. like it often little like side boxes, just like, Hey, if you're a new DM, this is something you can do with this or, you know, roll this here or think about this for the future yeah. and stuff. And it really does get you a good idea of how to DM. Mm-hmm. I understand the the apprehension of doing that because you don't know if you're going to be running this game. Henry specifically says that he's running a game for strangers. I get that. You know, you want to do something short and sweet and, you know, doesn't there's no strings attached. You could very easily just run the beginning of this game. Yeah. You could have no setup. You could just have it where it's like, these are just some adventures on a, ra- a wagon and then goblins set upon them and then they go chase them down and fight them in a cave. Yeah. I mean, like, that's all you need. And what the beautiful thing about the starter kit, too, is that you don't have to worry about encounter building. You're yeah. brand new to DMing. You shouldn't worry about encounter building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Because that's probably one of the most stressful things when you're just starting out. You end up with, like, literally every single character sheet spread out beyond you. And you're like, well, what do I need to focus on? And mm-hmm. the starter set kind of focuses it for you. And, I'm, I, yeah, I agree with Trevor a hundred percent. Like, I would recommend... 
Maybe not the entire thing, but... Yeah, no, they got, I mean, you could run that thing for six months. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could do the beginning part of it. And and plus, Henry, like, you're running it for strangers. We, I, I don't know if these people are going to have any experience with it. It's got pre-made characters in it. Mm-hmm. You can just hand people sheets. That's and, literally how I started yeah, D&D. Yeah, and, and for Aaron, I know that you are looking at running stuff, you know, online with people and stuff like that. And you're just thinking about getting into DMing. I, again, this is like it's a starter kit, but it's not just for people who are brand new to the game. Mm-hmm. I would recommend this to somebody who'd been a player for 20 years and oh, finally yeah. decided to DM. Try the starter kit. Yeah. It's got a lot of good info in there. It's not just a, you know, haphazardly slapped together thing just to get D&D into a target. It's actually got a lot of good stuff in there. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Don't run Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably wouldn't recommend one of the flavored uh, kits that they have. Yeah, like, and, and I would even say like the essentials kit, like as great as it is and as awesome as I love it, th- that is a that's a later on thing because it throws a lot of unique concepts to yeah. you that that you as a DM might feel overwhelmed with, especially being a first time. This one eases you into it holds your hand in a mm-hmm. good way not like in video games where people are like oh this tutorial is getting so annoying you just mash a to get why by is <laughs> why is the freaking spirit chicken zelda telling me about every item when i open a chest every time <laughs> um but no it, it holds your hand in a good way mm-hmm. and it, it like i remember running that one like just out of the box i had no prep for it we just decided to run it and it was because of those little side boxes and blurbs that it really helped me through and eased into fifth edition mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say is that if you already own the books because you were, like, excited about it or you were gung-ho, like, those level one through three Mm -hmm. starting adventures in the campaign books are pretty good starting DM adventures, too. Um, They not only introduce you into the themes of the campaign, but they also introduce you into low-level encounters, low-stress encounters that you can easily run. Yeah. So if you're looking for, like, a one-shot for strangers that maybe they haven't already done... Take a look in the game store, like, see the beginning level, like, the one through three adventure in Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. Look at the... Don't look at Ravenloft's. <laughs> but, like, take a look at those and see maybe... Uh, it's different than the starter kit, but it's still an easy go-to one to go for. Yeah. Also, uh, Henry, I, I did realize through this, like, if these people are experienced and they kind of roll their eyes at doing the starter kit, you know, you can explain, like, hey, I'm a new DM, but I want to try this. Um talk to them about that you know talk to your players read the table stuff like yeah. that um oh and my God. tell them that you're dming for the first yes. time and oh like, yeah, yeah 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 definitely don't try to hide it and then like get flustered and then tell them at the end yeah because if if you got like experienced players at the table they will help you yeah that is one i mean as long as they're not assholes uh, yeah I mean, that, let, let, let's let's not beat around the bush here there are assholes in this community yeah <laughs> i see you on twitter <laughs> um but uh yeah talk to them i'm a lot of people in this community, I will say a majority of them are good people that are willing to help mm-hmm. you with it. But if they're really not down uh, to play that, uh, email us again and we'll, we'll we'll see what we can help you with through, yeah. through email. Um, I do want to throw in real quick here that our good friend Brian Schmidt, namer of the broadsheets, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, did write in uh, with a, uh, a, a satanic panic story of his own. Ooh. Um, I, I will, I will leave this little tidbit here about his mom burning his red box. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, I'm, I, I have an idea for a topic down the line that I want to use this with. 
So I'm not going to read it here, but Brian, I just want to let you know we did read it. Holy shit, what a story. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to that one another time. And mm-hmm. also another plug here. Uh, dungeon notebook go check it out (laughs) i know i know haven't done the review yet (laughs) i've been sick and busy and stuff we're gonna get it done we're gonna get it done that's we're have we're having a meeting and stuff (laughs) oh boy that was a good one yeah well that was our show this week if you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So until next week, don't get killed by your fifth NPC that session with a terrible English accent. <laughs> <laughs>